This is Clothes Making Mavens, a sewing podcast about handmade fashion. Hello and welcome to the Clothes Making Mavens podcast. I'm Lori from frivolousatlast.com. I have two questions for you, my sewing friends. One, have you ever just needed to sew? I mean really needed to sew, you know, to get yourself through a rough time or maybe to keep yourself from spending your time in less mm, productive ways. And secondly, have you ever thought about challenging yourself to a ready-to-wear fast? So not buying any clothes, but only making what you need yourself. My guest today can answer yes to both of those questions. Madame Tiffen, more informally known as Tiff, will tell us about her year-long ready-to-wear fast of 2016, why she did it, and what she learned along the way. But before I introduce you to Tiff, I just want to remind you to think about adding your voice to the Clothes Making Mavens podcast. We love to hear what you have to say about any of the topics we chat about and to share your thoughts and opinions with other listeners. So here are all of the ways that you can add your voice. First, you can call us at 401-64-MAVEN to leave us a voice message. That's 401-64-MAVEN. We've also set up an online recorder you can use to record a message for us. All you have to do is visit speakpipe.com slash clothesmakingmavens. That's speakpipe.com slash clothesmakingmavens. And you can use the built-in microphone on your computer or mobile device to record a message. And here's another easy option. You can record a message for us using the voice recorder app that you probably already have on your phone. Just hit record, tell us your message, and email us the sound file. You can email it to us at clothesmakingmavens at gmail.com. And at the end of the podcast, there's going to be a huge test to see if you remembered all of those URLs. If you get confused, just go to our website at clothesmakingmavens.com and you'll find all the options there as well. Now, let's talk to Tiff, who you might know on Instagram at Madame Tiffan or from her blog, madametiffan.wordpress.com. Madame Tiffen, where did this um, name come from for your blog? So I have some French heritage. Um, my grandmother uh, was from Paris and uh, she gifted me my name, which uh, I've never really made peace with because in England no one can say it or spell it. So I end up with triple F's or Y's or I's in odd places. So I thought I would reclaim my name that I've been compromising in a very British way on and, and have it as my blog name um, and reconnect with my French heritage a little bit. Fantastic. And uh, you generally go by TIFF? Though, I do go yeah. by TIFF, yes. And that's a learned thing because no one can say my name. <laughs> uh, so it is Tiffen, but yeah, TIFF is what I've learned to live with. So one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you is because you just came off of a one-year incredible project of not buying any clothes, only sewing. So tell me a little bit about that and why, why you decided to, uh, to do, take on that challenge. Okay. Um, for sad reasons, unfortunately, I had um, a really tough time in 2015. Um, we wanted another child. We have a five-year-old um, and we, we can't have any more children. We had two miscarriages in a row Aww. and physically and emotionally, it really heavily impacted us. 
And I, we tried to do our normal lives and I went to work and went running. And the only time I ever felt really like myself and like I was reclaiming my time and my body and my image was uh, when I was sewing. And that's the thing that really occupied my mind. And I think they call it the flow. Um, that you're, you're so in the flow of the craft that you are doing and the thing you are creating that you just forget everything else. And, and it, it was really the only thing that was keeping me sane at a very difficult time. Um, and at the same time in Plymouth, um, a sewing shop opened that had a cafe attached. And um, I was throwing around some ideas one day in the cafe and I said to the owner, hey, I'm going to try making all my own clothes for one year. She said, you should start a blog. So I did, and it became this wonderful thing I could focus on uh, to fill what had otherwise seemed a very bleak time and um, a bit of a void, uh, and I could see my other friends having children. I thought, well, I've got this to focus on, something that I'm creating, and I'm taking control of my life and my time in this way. So it was really something to distract me at first that but became this wonderful thing in my life that um made me a whole person again oh that's amazing what a story thank you for being so <laughs> candid I'm, I'm sorry for your your difficult time um i have heard from in fact some listeners leave messages for us for the podcast and i recall one who told a, a very touching story about dealing with uh, the same difficulty you were describing and how sewing really helped to to pull her through that so did you sew before this year of deciding to sew everything um, I got a sewing machine about a year before um, for my 31st birthday. My mum thought it was a good grown-up present to give me. <laughs> and um, I, I agree with her completely. Um, but I, I hadn't sewed previous to that. I'd gone to a very academic school where crafts were frowned upon. Anything that you would learn to do in the home was not taught. So it was this very exotic uh, activity that I'd never been able to lay my hands on before. Um, so I, I had a sewing book and this machine and the first time I threaded it, it took me two hours, um, and a glass of wine. <laughs> I, yes, I can get my, we call it in England, a chufty badge <laughs> for sewing machine. And, um, and then I, I really painfully and very slowly made my way through a sewing book and most of the things were crooked um, or didn't fit properly and the zips were the wrong way. But I was really pleased I had made something that although I couldn't wear it outside, I'd still made something. And uh, then one day it just clicked and I was like, oh, I can wear this dress to work. And nobody all day said, oh, you look handmade or, <laughs> or your dress is wonky. So I was like, oh. Um, there must be something in this then. So it was a very slow process uh, the year before, just learning to get to grips with the machine. Right. So it sounds like your your mother knows you well. She chose the <laughs> gift well. It really, uh, really kind of paid off, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. I think she wanted to encourage me to do something uh, other than work and <laughs> and childcare. So yes, it did. Right. Good on her. Right. Because you're you're looking after you have um, a five year old, as you mentioned, and so full time work or part time work or uh, my day job is um, part-time as a librarian at uh, the local university here um, and I was juggling that with looking after my daughter Elodie uh, who's now at school. We've just done her first parents evening. So, Oh, <laughs> right. 
Yeah. And she's doing well, I hope. Oh, she's doing brilliantly. Yes, we, she got a glowing report. So uh, we're all sorted in that area of life. She, Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because it sounds like you're pretty busy. So um, how do you find the time to fit in the sewing, especially when you did this whole year without buying anything? During the year, I managed to squeeze a couple of hours out of my working day. So I would rush home after work and luckily my daughter was in nursery and those two hours I would sew intensely and something I had pre-planned so um, I planned my projects in advance so a lot of research went into um, what I wanted to sew, uh, the fabric I was going to use and I would have these cutting sessions where I cut projects out in advance so that I could just grab it and go rather than going through that whole tracing, cutting and then sewing process. I would have things queued up to do and I, I'm quite good at sewing in short bursts of time, 30 minutes here and 30 minutes there, but I really did squeeze my day so that I could have something to sew at the end of it. Mm, that's that's fantastic. I have tried the, um, the cut everything out approach so I'd have <laughs> stuff ready and Unfortunately, what I find happens with me is I cut everything out and then it sits in piles of, of cut fabric and then I get, you know, like a like a raven, I'm distracted by the next shiny thing. And I'm yes. like, oh, what's that new pattern? <laughs> I think I'll go print that one off and, and start on that. So <laughs> yeah, it's, it's good that you can follow system. through. Definitely. I, I did find the other day a bag of stuff that I cut out about six months earlier and I was really ashamed. <laughs> Immediately, I was like, I can't concentrate on anything else till I have these these ones done <laughs> like homework ashamed girlfriend I have stuff that's been cut <laughs> out for much longer than six months I'm not even gonna tell you how long it's been cut out for <laughs> I love the um tagline of your of your blog sewing coffee mistakes and more sewing I love it I think that uh that's a great approach to sewing in general I think to just acknowledge the mistakes are gonna happen I think if it were my tagline it would be sewing coffee mistakes and more mistakes <laughs> so good that you got more sewing in there instead yeah more sewing more coffee the coffee fuels the sewing and yeah. makes the mistakes feel better too exactly and wine helps a lot too as as you mentioned you know it helps get the yeah. thread in the machine and <laughs> yeah it does a bit wonky at the end of it but yeah definitely yeah so Tiff tell me what was the biggest takeaway for you after doing a whole year of sewing? Did you come away with some new insights about sewing or about yourself or about the clothes you like to wear or what, what were your takeaways from that? I think it was twofold. Um, firstly, I didn't realize how um, addicted or accustomed I was to popping into our local mall on my lunch break because my university is right next to it and dropping like 50 pounds in H&M or Topshop and thinking nothing of it and not really thinking about the impact that it was having on my personal finances and my wardrobe. I had a very disposable um, cycle, I suppose you would call it, in, in what I wore. It was led by what the shops were selling rather than me thinking about constructing a wardrobe. It was just H&M, I've got a sale on, let's go for it or Topshop's got skinny jeans, let's wear those. So um, I really had to think about what I was going to create and the order I was going to create it in so that I was constructing a wardrobe rather than a, a reactionary set of purchases. So I had to think about what I was wearing very differently. And the other thing was that um, it was my attitude to size. I think before I 
like most women, would be quite um, distracted or very preoccupied with what size you are and how important the tag that denotes your size is in the back of your shirt or your jeans. And I didn't realize that I had become very preoccupied with being a size eight, which I'm not sure how that uh, translates uh, in Canada, but um, that's what I was before I had my child. And then it was a real shock when you, your body is a completely different shape. And I hadn't quite um, reconciled myself to having become a different shape. I had curves and boobs that I didn't have before I had a child. And it really made me appreciate that the size you are is um, a set of numbers that you input into your sewing, so your measurements, and it's information that you use to create a beautiful garment at the end for yourself, rather than conforming to this ideal industry standard that the shop you know, dictates to you, that the fashion world dictates to you. And I think that was very important. I no longer really know what size I am in a shop, but I know what my measurements are straight off when I look at a pattern and how to adjust something to fit me. And it's a really refreshing thing that I can pass on to my daughter you know, at a time when body image is, is becoming a really big issue, especially in the UK, um, it, it was just so liberating to not think about what size I was anymore and to just think about it as information instead. Right. So, so it's about making the clothes fit you as opposed to you figuring out how to fit into the clothes. Exactly. Yes, you've put it brilliantly. <laughs> I, I can relate really well to what you said about, um, I too work at a university and I too have a, a huge shopping mall right next to the university and often on my way home after a stressful day, I'm like, must go into store and yes. decompress, right? So yeah, I'm guilty of the same kind of behavior where I feel like sometimes just wandering around a store and looking at things is just kind of a way to clear the mind, but it's a dangerous one, right? Because then you find yourself at the cash with a few things in hand and... Um, yeah. So congratulations to you for overcoming that. Do you did you um replace that with something else? I mean, did sewing become the replacement for that kind of decompression in the shops sort of approach? Yes, abs absolutely. Sewing did become that um like decompressive element of my life. I think um fabric shopping obviously would fill an enormous retail hole. Um, a lot of hours spent online looking at fabric rather than being in a shop. Um, I've got a lovely local sewing shop which sells some gorgeous fabrics as well. So can drop in for a coffee and um, be sociable rather than just go into a shop with your headphones on and browse the rack. So that's really nice and, and think about how many different uses a fabric would have. So I think my mind, instead of being taken up by shopping was taken up by how many different things I could create and the buzz I was getting from that. Um, but it was rather a big shock to go cold turkey on the old shopping. And uh, I did have a moment when I was on holiday in Holland and we popped to Antwerp for the day and there was the perfect stripy top in Antwerp and I had to walk away from this stripy top and I was very grumpy. But I was like, I'm strong. I'm stronger than this. You <laughs> did it. it. That's incredible. I'm did not it. sure I would have had the willpower, especially when you know when there's that one piece that you've had in your mind that you'd really like to have in your wardrobe and you see it there. And wow, wow, very impressive. <laughs> <laughs> so aside from walking away from the stripy uh, shirt in Antwerp, what were some of the other major challenges you found doing a whole year of only sewing your own clothes? 
as you appreciate working in a university, you have to look professional. So I had to create an outfit uh, for a conference that I was speaking at. So it wasn't just attendance. Um, and I made a pair of kind of very smart trousers for the first time. It was my first pair of trousers. The first time I was going to wear my clothes in a professional sense as well, um, in front of a lot of people. And um, that was a, a really big deal. And I made Republic de Chiffon um, Jacques trouser, and they came out really beautifully. And um, I wasn't really concentrating on what I was talking about at work, but I was really pleased with my trousers. And I was wondering <laughs> if anyone had noticed my trousers rather than the speech I was giving. <laughs> You know you have a new obsession when you're thinking like that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and let me just give you a round of applause on the trousers because that is truly incredible. I think that anyone who can make pants and be able to wear them, especially in a professional setting, very impressive. Thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was more pleased with the trousers than my talk. Right. So making a professional looking wardrobe was one of the challenges. Did you, may I ask, did you also refrain from buying undergarments and bras and underwear and that sort of thing? Yes, I I did refrain from buying um, my undergarments. So I did make underwear. I think there was just a line to my blogging where I wanted to keep my um, personal uh, items of my wardrobe uh, just for me and and my photographer husband. Um, So he he got the the floor show on the underwear and stuff and he got to see uh, that. So that was his his area of appreciation. Um, but yes, that that was quite challenging to make a bra. That's quite tricky. I used the Watson cloth habit uh, pattern for that, um, and I won't be making any more bras. No, I will just that that is one thing I think. No, I just need some more scaffolding there. So I will be buying my bras from now on. But the way that I've changed my shopping going forwards is that I found a brilliant independent lady who makes bras from her own studio and she makes them perfectly for my size. So I'm going to be shopping with her. Amazing. (laughs) But but pants, pants are good. I really enjoyed making pants. So you'll continue to make pants? Yeah. Oh, we call them, oh yeah, pants knickers. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Because, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Underwear here. Yeah. Underwear, okay. Yeah. So, yeah. So, anything else that you're going to go back to uh, buying off the rack, do you think? Um, I think coats are the one thing I haven't broached yet. A, wa- a good waterproof coat was the only thing that I think um, I'll buy. It's quite wet down in the southwest of England. We live next to the sea. You need something salt waterproof. Uh, so, I think. It's something I'd like to tackle in about a year when I'm really sure of my <laughs> skills. Uh, but yeah, I think a coat is probably the only thing that I, I'm not going to tackle this year. Did you try a coat at all before? Um, I haven't done a coat, no, not yeah, yet. Yeah. So that's that's up my sleeve. Right. I mean, as I said, I'm amazed by anyone who can sew pants and make them fit. But I have done a couple of coats and was kind of surprised that they weren't as difficult as I thought they would be. Oh, that's good to hear. Yeah. So jump in, go for it. I think you can do it. Yeah. When you said I have to wait another year for my skills to be in place, I thought, what? Oh my goodness. I'm looking at your blog and thinking, no, 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 you're ready. You just go for it. Yeah. Okay. I'll be fair. This with the coach. (laughs) So Tiff, if you were a sewing tool, what sewing tool would you be? Oh, I'm probably going to be a seam ripper. (laughs) You and me both. You know, that little thing, there is nothing that little seam ripper can't do. And um, it, it's the tool that can undo the mistake. 
and you can take your frustration out on. Um, so yeah, I, I love my seam ripper. Yeah, if only there was a, a seam ripper for life. <laughs> that would be amazing, the editing seam ripper for life. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think I spend more time with seam ripper in hand than any other sewing tools. So that, uh, yeah, I, I can relate to that for sure. Yes. Uh, the motto should be, if the seam ripper is out, you should walk away from the room to anyone who lives with a sewer. Exactly. Exactly. Tell me about your biggest sewing disaster. Oh, my biggest sewing disaster would be actually something to do with sizing. Um, I made a pair of shorts and I really thought that I would be what you'll call a UK size 12 based on my measurements and perhaps I had been a bit frightened. It was the first time I'd ever made shorts and I had oversized myself and I put these shorts on and there was a massive back gape to them. I thought, right, I just need to make a butt adjustment to these shorts. It'll be fine. And... Um, I sewed and altered and sewed until there was almost nothing left of these shorts apart from my sheer frustration with a seam ripper in hand and a pair of scissors thinking, what have I done? And then, and those shorts did end in the fabric recycling bin <laughs> in my local <laughs> supermarket. There was nothing to save them. I mean, there's only so far you can alter a garment before it becomes a different garment altogether. <laughs> um, but that's because I wasn't confident enough to say, hey, yeah, I am a size 10 with this fabric, um, this um, sewing pattern, and that's what I should make. And I remade those shorts again today, actually, in the proper size, and they fit perfectly. Oh, fantastic. Congratulations. That, that was a, so, big, a big hump day. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. I found with, um, with bottoms... I mean, I was so used to sewing tops or dresses where if you got them, if you got the sizing wrong, especially if it came out too big, that you could just kind of hack away at the side seams and, you know, do some adjustments, no big deal, and then it would fit fine. And so the first time I made some bottoms, I think they were pajama bottoms, and they turned out huge. And I thought, no problem, I'll just, you know, sew, sew up those. And, and then I realized, I looked at them, and I was like, wait, no, it, it doesn't work that way how do you adjust the crotch and the back and yeah so so that's still um a whole sort of construction method that I haven't quite wrapped my head around there yes yeah, so completely agree with you the first time I made pajama bottoms I looked like a 90s rapper they were so voluminous <laughs> and I, for some reason I chose paisley and I just looked like a complete disaster <laughs> uh. So you mentioned the uh, your your local sewing shop where you um, like yeah. to have a cup of cup of coffee and uh, and and search for fabric. You mentioned it online. I think you just gave a talk there recently I to uh, forty or so people who showed up to hear you speak. How did that go? Um, that was a, a really beautiful evening. Um, so I'm going to plug my local sewing shop now because so many independent traders in my town don't make it because people like to have them there, but they don't use them. So uh, Make at 140 in Plymouth um, is run by the lovely Lizzie. And we had a chat about gathering together all the lovely sewers in Plymouth and the surrounding area because we knew they were there, and but we hadn't had a, a community point for them yet. Um, so we popped out an invite and we thought well maybe we'll get 10 people maybe we'll get 15 if we're really lucky and uh, we had 40 places allocated and they sold out in a couple of days and um, we were really overwhelmed by the response 
um, all these women came together and everyone was just touching each other's fabric. What pattern are you using? And the love and appreciation in the room for whatever anyone was making or thinking of making and the generosity of people sharing their skills with each other and giving advice on fabric and which pattern should they make was just so lovely. And everyone was very nice and listened to me talk and ramble on for 20 minutes about sewing as well with um, Prosecco and cake. So we really couldn't go wrong. And we're hoping to do another one in April to join together Plymouth Sewers again. Oh, that sounds great. And, you know, that's one of one thing that so many sewers express about the sewing community, whether it's a community in your local area or whether it's an online community, that the community is so positive. And we really, I think, given the state of the world these days, yes. we can use that kind of positivity and mutual support. So it's, it's really nice to have that in the sewing community, isn't it? Yeah, it is absolutely. It's so refreshing as well in this day and age for people just to come together through craft and be positive and and to just share and be very generous. Mm-hmm. And craft in particular, the idea of making creating something with your hands is... Um, you know, as a a tangible thing, I think it forces us to kind of be a little bit more human, I guess, in a way. Yeah, I don't know if I've articulated that very well at all, but that that tangibility, that touchability, that physical creation, I think is really important. And we've maybe lost a bit of that in the digital age. So I completely agree. My job is actually a digital librarian. And I think that's why I enjoy craft so much, because you're stripping away all of the layers of digital technology from your life and although I do use Instagram as inspiration and a contact for the sewing community it's just so nice to um, actually hold something that you've made and to share it with someone else so yeah I completely agree with you. Mm-hmm. Can you can you share with us some of your best sewing tips? Oh best sewing tips um, well the the old um, fashion sewing tip which is measure twice and cut once is completely right Um, Also to make sure if you have a pattern, make sure it's the right way up. I once made a cardigan (laughs) out of a beautiful bicycle fabric, had all these gorgeous little bicycles on. I'm obsessed with cycling as well. And I I sewed it up and I put it on and uh, my husband got home from work. Your bicycles are upside down, he said. I was like, oh, are they? And because I'd been looking down at myself and the bicycles were the right way up when I looked down at my chest... I just assumed I had sewn this top absolutely fine. So, yes, always check (laughs) the right way up and that you've cut the right size. Um, What else? Sewing tips. Don't sew when you're angry. Mm -hmm. You're nice and calm when you sit down and sew because I think it it comes out in your your sewing and you miss things that obviously if you're stressed, you're going to um, make mistakes. Have a coffee. And don't be afraid to make the mistake. Embrace the mistake as well. It's just a way of learning. You know, if everything was perfect first time, no one would have anything to learn. So make sure you make plenty of mistakes. It's the best way to learn. Make sure you start with a pair of shorts and turn it into something completely unrecognizable. And then you know you've learned a lot, right? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> uh, well, um, Tiff, tell me about your fabric shopping habits. Are you a stasher? Are you a, a, an impulse buyer, a planner? What, what, um, and where do you like to shop? Oh, I think I'm a little bit of a hybrid of all three. Um, I do have a stash upstairs. 
Um, and I ha it has to be a small stash because uh, British houses are quite tiny and I don't have much room to put all this fabric that I dream of owning. Um, so it's a combination of online. So if I'm planning um, to make something like I'm going to plan, I'm planning a pair of dungarees at the moment. So I know that I want a particular type of denim and it will be this much and I have to buy all the fixings that go with it. So that's a very research project. But if someone has a sale or a Black Friday sale, then I'm there with my credit card and not telling my husband when all these packages arrive. Oh, it's just it's just some fabric. And I run upstairs with it and put it in the box. Um, we have a local sewing shop, which is great. And they do get in some beautiful fabric, um, such as Atelier Brunettes, which I'm completely addicted to after finding them in Paris. Um, and I also have a very wonderful brother-in-law who lives in Japan and um, lives within uh, walking distance of the Atelier Nani Airo shop, which, Ooh. and I don't think he knew this, but he can choose fabric really well. I think I married the wrong brother here. <laughs> no, I, I gave him a budget and said, well, here's 60 quid, go and see what you can do with it. And he came out with some amazing fabric. So I've also done blind fabric shopping by giving a boy money to go into a fabric shop. <laughs> <laughs> Does he Is he interested in adopting any other sister-in-laws by any chance? Because, uh, wow, that sounds like a great connection, maybe maybe a dangerous connection. It is quite a dangerous connection. It, we're going to visit next year, um, so I can't wait to hit all the Japanese fabric shops and oh. take an extra spare suitcase. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. That's become one of my dream vacations now, to go to Japan. Oh. And just I'm so in love with the Japanese fabrics and I saw the um the jacket that you made with the fabric your brother-in-law brought you from Japan and it looks gorgeous just lovely really really I great a boy shows it can you believe it yeah it, <laughs> <laughs> it is gorgeous fabric and it, it's like a work of art the craftsmanship they the Japanese put into their fabric is just astounding really and you could just hang it up and look at it without making anything from it Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There is, uh, I don't know if you ever used it, there's um, a retailer on Etsy, Miss Matabi, who specializes yeah. in a lot of Japanese, well, they're located in Japan, so um, yeah, I've, I've used them once or twice before and just spend a lot of time drooling over the pictures there. Absolutely, my Etsy account is full of um, favorites just for her fabric, it's just wonderful. Mm -hmm. So I think that pretty much brings me to the end of my questions. I really appreciate you spending time with me today to have a chat. It's lovely to meet you. Oh, it's lovely to meet you as well. That's what I love about the sewing community. Yeah, likewise. And um, I'm really inspired by your year of, of not buying any ready-to-wear clothes. I'm not sure I could do it, but if there's anybody who's listening to this and have, you know, who might be thinking of taking on that type of challenge, what would be your sort of parting advice I say be brave and be bold with it. Make sure that you stretch the limits of what you think you can do because you can always do more than you think you can. Um, and just really embrace it and don't be afraid of it because the chances are you'll go out wearing a handmade outfit and someone will say to you, oh, wow, you look really good today because you feel really good because you made that outfit. And then you'll get to tell them, well, yeah, I made this myself. And then they'll say, wow, you look amazing. I can't believe you made it. And you will glow from the inside out. And it will not only improve your day, it improves all areas of your life. And you'll just come out of the other end happier and uh, obviously technically more skilled at sewing person. So if you want to do it, 
just go for it. Start tomorrow. That's great. I love your energy and enthusiasm <laughs> and, and your bravery for, you know, having taken on that challenge. It's, it's wonderful. You're really, really a great inspiration. And I look forward to seeing more of your makes and, uh, and reading your humor, too. I, I love uh, reading your blog. I just find you really hilarious. And so um, thanks for that. Thanks for making oh, my day. Thank you so much. It's been so lovely to talk to you, Laurie. So that was Tiff of madametifen.wordpress.com and you can also find her on Instagram at madametifen. Isn't she inspiring? Yeah, I found her quite inspiring as well. And now I'm curious to hear from you. Have you ever challenged yourself to a ready-to-wear fast? Only sewing clothes that you made yourself or rather only wearing clothes that you made yourself? Would you do it? Would you consider it now that you've heard what uh, Tiff had to say about doing it? And also, have you ever really needed to sew the way Tiff told us she really needed to sew to get herself through a really rough time? Let us know. Add your voice to the Clothes Making Mavens podcast. Go to clothesmakingmavens.com to find out all of the ways that you could leave us a message that we can play back on the podcast. Next time, Helena will be back. We'll have a so small talk chat about all of the things that are inspiring us in our sewing lives. So I hope you look forward to that as I do. I haven't spoken with Helena for quite some time now, so I look forward to catching up. And I look forward to hearing from you. Don't forget to get in touch with us. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Clothes Making Mavens podcast. For more information and more episodes, visit clothesmakingmavens.com. We would love to hear from you. You'll find options for sending us an email, leaving a comment, or even a voicemail on clothesmakingmavens.com. Hope to hear from you soon, and thanks for listening.